0: Amen. Amen. All right. Um, so I'm Drew. I'm speaking this morning. And uh, if you've been around at all over the last couple weeks, or if you've been around for, at all at any time with Living Waters, oh, junior hires, you can flee the building if you're are not already gone. Um, I always forget to tell the junior hires to leave. Yeah, they know. I'm going to get used to that because I almost have a junior hire, and I can guarantee you that once she reaches that age, I'm going to be very used to telling her to leave. Um, so go. Flee. Um, that's terrifying. Terrifying. Three daughters. It's terrifying junior high. <laughs> anyway. Um, so we've been talking at Living Waters. We've been, we've been uh, going through uh, basically some very strong core beliefs for our family over the last uh, several weeks. And we're going to continue for several more weeks. And those core beliefs have to do with, uh, with intimacy, identity, and inheritance. And we've spent the last month about in intimacy. And um, I get to be the first person to talk to you today about identity. Now, if you were here when Kim gave her first message on intimacy, she told you all that her heart is intimacy. Like, that is a battle she has fought for. And if you were to break open, these are not her words, I'm paraphrasing. If you were to break her open, intimacy with the Lord would spill out. That's her thing. And I would say that for me, identity would be that. Uh, I have fought long and hard in my life to understand who I am. And so, for as much as Kim was excited about teaching about intimacy, boy, howdy, am I ready to teach on identity? And let me tell you, um, I, I have to make some, some disclaimers before we get there because the the my iPad is not working. Uh, the truth about identity um, is quite it's quite easy. I got it out. Thanks, son. I got it out. It's quite easy to fall into the rut. Um, with Christianity when you're teaching on identity in Christ because I'll tell you the truth. If you wanted to know information, you can get on the Google and you can type in identity in Christ and you can be like overrun with with workbooks and with um, documents and with sermons and with everything that, that will pour into you scripturally what your identity in Christ is. I mean, there's a lot out there because it's a really big deal across all of Christianity and understanding who we are in Christ. And you know, it's i felt as i was approaching this that if i were to do that if i were to go into those scriptures and do kind of that kind of message i feel like i would be doing a disservice to us as a family and i'll tell you why we can know a lot about something but not actually embrace it and understand it we can have a lot of knowledge but not have wisdom we can have a lot of information but not have experience and so It is important for us to know the Word of God and to know what it says. And this teaching will be full of the Word of God. (laughs) Don't you worry. But if we were just to go down the list of here we are, here's who we are in Christ, and even if we got to the place where we were learning it and repeating it and memorizing it, it would still, it wouldn't mean that it made the journey from our head to our heart. The only way I know how to teach this is through the lens of my own life and experiences. And you, if you've listened to me at all, at any amount of time, you know that I get vulnerable with this stuff because I think that's, that's how we understand it into a deeper, more intimate place than just knowledge. And we need to know this. We need to experience this in the depths of who we are, not just know information about it. Another disclaimer I need to make um, is whenever you set up a process or, or an order to things, we can get into this trap of believing that we have to accomplish one before we can move on to the other. So for example, we teach intimacy, identity, and inheritance. And so I know, because I'm I'm a human being too, and I've talked with enough people over the years, that when we do that, the enemy can get into our minds and our hearts and begin convincing us, us that if we don't fully understand intimacy, and if we don't fully have an intimate relationship with Jesus, to the depth and breadth of what that means, then we can't move into our identity. That we have to accomplish this first before we move to this, as if there's this standard or benchmark that that qualifies us to begin to understand who we are in Christ. And let me tell you right now, in the strongest terms I can, that is a load of crap. Hallelujah. Because we don't have a benchmark, there's not an end to intimacy with Jesus. So how foolish would it be to think that somehow we're going to get to this plateau and this place where we've come to the fullness of our intimacy with Jesus, and therefore we're able now to move into identity. God is limitless. God is deep and wide, deep and wide. He's a fountain flowing. I'm sorry, I had to do that. (laughs) He is so deep and he is so vast that to know his heart and to be connected to him, there's not gonna be an end to that for us. There's not gonna be a limit. And so to think that somehow there's someplace we have to get in our intimacy with him before we can understand our identity is wrong. Likewise, we get to this other spot of identity and no matter how good I teach it or no matter how good the people teach it or no matter how much you know the scriptures, there's never gonna be a place where we get to a place of knowing our identity so much that that's the point where we can then be qualified to walk into our inheritance because we will never reach the end of understanding who we are in him. Hmm. Until we are face to face and absolutely everything is revealed, we will always be growing in our identity in him and therefore we don't have to reach a benchmark before we step into inheritance either. Because there's no end to that either. Holy cow. So right now, forever and ever, amen, can we please dismiss any authority we've given Satan to tell you individually that you have to reach some place of intimacy with God before you can understand who you are in him. Right now, today, as you are, you can begin to understand who you are in him. There's no place of intimacy you have to reach before God can pour that identity into you. Can we, can we agree? Amen? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we say often around here that intimacy um, is the wellspring. Well, we don't say it like this. We say it like this. Identity flows out of intimacy. Have you heard Kim say that? Have you heard other people say that? Our identity in Christ and our understanding of it flows out of a place of understanding our intimacy. But But again, let me tell you, it doesn't... If we, if we set up the standard as if we have to get there first then we, and not go here, then we're gonna set ourselves up for failure, so all we're going to do is we're going to begin to understand in a really kind of non-traditional identity in Christ teaching who we are. So let me start with this, I'm just starting. <laughs> that wasn't even my intro. Uh, I believe that it's really important for us as, as Christians to balance our perspective by reading a lot of different perspectives in Christianity because we get kind of stuck in our own denomination, or our own rut, and we don't, we don't get to hear things from people that have been around maybe hundreds and thousands of years longer than we have that have tested their relationship with Jesus and, and they've experienced deep things and we can learn from them. So um, you know, for whatever you know, convictions we might have about a particular denomination or vein of Christianity, one of the best statements I've ever learned in, in reading and investigating is, chew up the meat and spit out the bones, correct? We like that, so in that, in that spirit, I'm gonna quote from you a passage from an author, and this particular book, at one time, was the most read, published, purchased, and experienced book in all of Christianity, second only to the Bible. And it was from a Catholic author named Thomas Akempis. There's a book called The Imitation of Christ. And he writes this, in this particular passage, he said, when we get away from all the tangle of guesswork, when once the eternal word speaks to us, From him alone, all creation has but one voice for us. He who is its origin is also its interpreter. Without him, nobody can understand it or form a true judgment about it until all things become one for you, traced to one source and seen in one vision. You cannot find anchorage for your heart or rest calmly in God. Now let me translate that a little bit because sometimes when we read centuries old, people and, you know, the these and the, thousand, the and the those, you know, kind of, we need to work through that to understand what it's saying. So really when we, when we get it down to what it's truly saying, it says this, we get tangled up guessing about our identity. And what we really need is him to speak. Only he has the right to speak. Only he is the interpreter. Every single one of us have a problem in that we are not able to interpret our identity. We don't have the authority to. Only he has the authority to. Now, we're going to go to a passage of Scripture. And it's really familiar to a lot of us. And because it's familiar to a lot of us, I'm going to ask you to do this. Whatever conclusions you've drawn from this passage of Scripture... I'm gonna ask you to suspend those for a bit and allow the Lord to speak to us in a little bit different way than maybe we have in the past. Do we praise the Lord for the fact that he can take the same scripture and apply it in like 10,000 ways in our life, amen? Amen. So we're gonna approach this passage which is very familiar and I'm gonna ask us just to listen to what the Lord says today to us individually. So if you could go to Luke 15, starting at verse 11. And remember, let's suspend whatever conclusions we've drawn from it in the past and just allow the Lord to speak today. Verse 11 starts with this. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off to a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living." I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. Let's stop there for a bit. Something Ryan says, something we all say around here, is that the single most important thing about us is what comes to mind when we think about our father in heaven. It's the single most important thing about us is what we believe about God. What comes to mind? You know, it's, it's amazing when we start reading this story because here we have the, the, the son who has wasted his life in sin and ruin. And when he comes to this place, when he comes to his senses, when he becomes aware of the path that he's on and the state that he's in, when conviction settles, what's the first thing that comes to his mind? the character of his father. Even the servants in my father's home are treated better than this. Even the lowest position is fed and loved better than this. I'm gonna go back to my father's house and maybe he'll let me be one of those servants. You know, here's what I mean when I say that we can know a lot about something but still not experience it and know it. The son knew the character of his father, he had knowledge of how his father treated his servants. He knew that if he was a servant in his father's house, how he would be treated. But he didn't know his heart, he didn't know his heart. I think a lot of us in this room have our prodigal moment, have our moment where we come to our senses in the pig pen, and I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if it's an addiction. I don't know if it's just a repeated sin. I don't know if it's a past wound. I don't know if it's just something someone said to you or you begin to believe it, or I don't know what it is for you. I sure know what it was for me. I remember really clearly my most profound prodigal moment It was 20 years and one month ago. It was in December of 1996. I was sitting in my bedroom and I was disgusted with myself. I was involved in a gay relationship. I was addicted to pornography. I was was just addicted to a lot of things. I was broken. I was hurting. I was still going to church, still on the worship team, still doing all that stuff. Good Christian over here in a gay relationship over here and the duplicity of that life was tearing me apart. Right. And I gotta tell you, I knew a lot about God. Oh, yeah. oh did I know a lot about God. I, I used to be on the Bible quizzing team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I could get my butt off of a folding chair real fast and quote some scripture at you. Oh, yeah. Real, real good. I had memorized identity in Christ teachings. I knew a lot about God. But I was sitting here in this moment engaging with God in my struggle, because I was having my prodigal moment. And it was a little different. It wasn't as if I was at this end where I was like, I'm ready just to go back and be a groveling servant. I was teetering on that. But I was also at this place where I was afraid of giving up the stuff that I was holding on to. Because I didn't know God's heart. And I didn't believe that he would have better for me than what I was having right there in that moment. You see, because in my moment, It wasn't as if no one was giving me anything to eat at the pig trough. They were giving me plenty. And I was feeding on it. But I still had a very keen awareness that I was in the pig trough. But I didn't know God's heart. I didn't know if if I left that, if there would be anything for me on the other side. How many of you can relate to that? I like you when you talk (laughs) in church. (laughs) You got to come to both services. It's more fun with you around. (laughs) So I sat there in this moment and I was arguing with God. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's ever done that. But I was having that moment arguing with God and I'll tell you the truth for as much as I had done and much as I had been involved in I never once had labeled myself gay but in that moment I did because it was a, it was a battle of identity and I said God but I'm gay what are you going to do with me what do you have for me This is who I am. You know, none of us have the right to understand or interpret who we are. We are not the interpreter. I don't care what you've done in your past. I don't care what you're doing right now. Your past, your present, your addictions, your struggles... The things that people have done to you, the way people have abandoned you or labeled you, the things that you have partnered with in your heart and mind, I don't care what they are because we cannot look at those things and interpret who we are. We do not have the authority or right to do that. And the problem is, is we are tempted to every day, every day we're tempted to look at the past, we're tempted to look at the present, we're tempted to look at the world and Understand and let them interpret who we are, and we have all this crap build up in our spiritual eyes, and we're looking at ourselves and we're saying, "This is who I am because of this." Right. Brothers, sisters, none of you have the right to do that for yourself. Good. Only He is the interpreter of who you are. Good. Only He has the authority to tell you who you are. No one else. And when I sat there in that moment, wrestling with God, and I said, "I am gay," He said, "No." and he had a list of things that I was, and nowhere in there did my sexuality or sin have any place in who he said I was. (laughs) None of us can trust ourselves to accurately say who we are. Not a single one of us. We don't have that authority. But while he was still a long way off, the Father saw him. and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. We don't have the right. We don't have the right to interpret who we are. Second Corinthians 10, starting at verse 3, says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ can I tell you the truth that the single greatest piece of spiritual warfare you will ever do is to cast down the wrong belief that you have based on whatever it is and get your heart and mind in alignment with who God says you are. Because church, it's not necessarily in this big battle between ugly demons and and angels that we're necessarily fighting. Do you understand the battle is right here with what we believe? And who we believe we are. Because out of who we believe we are, we will live. Out of who we believe we are, we will grow. Or we will diminish. I sat there and the Lord confronted the strongholds in my heart and mind based on who I thought I was. Just for a moment, let's just close our eyes for a moment. Holy Spirit, please. For my brothers and sisters in this room, will you please begin to reveal through the rest of this message the strongholds in our life when we are believing the wrong thing and we have given ourselves or our circumstances or our histories or whatever else the right to interpret who we are. Lord, reveal these things to us so that we may be rid of them as we go. Lord, thank you. Church, we have to take every thought captive and submit it to the authority of Christ and get our hearts in alignment with who he says he is. It is not optional. No one and nothing but God has that authority in our life to do that. No one and nothing but God has a right or authority. So, as I was sitting and as I was wrestling through this particular thing, um, the Lord began speaking, like I said, new things about my identity to me. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. This son came to him came back to his father's house as a slave and he got up from the ground a son. There are, there are people in this room who came in here as a slave and you need to leave a son or daughter. Yeah. Seriously, please. Hear that again. You might have walked in this room as a slave. You might have walked in this room as an orphan. You might have walked in this room as an addict. You might have walked in this room as a failure or hopeless or I don't even know what, but you walk out of this room as a son or daughter with the robe of righteousness and a ring on your finger. That's how you walk out of this room. That is the only true way to walk out of this room because your past and your understanding of yourself does not have the right to tell you who you are. Only the father who scoops you up. Only the father who saw you coming a long way off. Only the father who knew exactly who you were when you didn't has the right to tell you who you are. So you walk out of here as son or daughter, not as a slave. And this son fell on the ground in the embrace of his father as a slave and still didn't understand until his father made it quite clear he's a son with a full inheritance. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 11 have been a a really important verse in my life. It was one that used to condemn me and now it's one that sets me free. And I'm gonna tell you right now that it's really tempting when we read a verse like this to to not see the battle of identity in here, but I'm gonna spell it out for you and I'm gonna tell you right now every single one of us can find ourselves in this passage. Do you not know the, the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the gossips, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Every single one of us can find somewhere on that list where we have partaken. Don't even look at me strange like that. I know mine was in there. We all know what it was. I've said it five times in church. (laughs) But that's what some of us were. but we were washed, and we were sanctified, and we were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We were washed. Every single one of you know what that means. If you get stinky after a little while, what do you do? You wash. Praise the Lord. People in here take showers. Amen? Amen. Used to be you took one a year. Back a long time ago, we've stepped it up. And we know, we know what washing does. It takes the filth and it removes it from us. Do you understand you are washed? The filth is not on you. It doesn't matter what you've done or what's been done to you. The filth is not on you. In Jesus, you are washed, clean, pure, without spot or blemish. That's who you are. That's who you are, regardless of whether or not you still struggle. That's who you are. You've been sanctified. What the crap does that mean? <laughs> Unless you've been in the... I said crap three times now in this sermon. <laughs> Unless like, you really have studied sanctification, it's a hard thing to understand. But I'm going to dumb it down for us because what it really means, sanctifying is to be made holy, it's to be made set apart. But let me tell you what this really, truly means in our identity. For me... I thought that my purpose and my destiny was jacked up by my history. My sin determined how I could be used by God. You know, it was years back, I I felt a call into ministry when I was four years old. At four years old, it's really easy to feel like you can do great things for God because you haven't had time to screw your life up yet. Hallelujah. (laughs) At four years old, I had a destiny, but then I screwed it up. I screwed it up. And when I came back to Jesus, in that moment when I came to him, just wanting to be a slave in his house, I thought I was disqualified. I thought that my, my set-apart purpose was going to be tainted by my history because I was still interpreting my destiny through the lens of my past. After all, who would ever trust me to be a pastor or in a pulpit with my history. Joke's on you all. (laughs) I mean, how many of us have ever felt like that? We've just sinned too much. We just gotta settle for less. That's not the case, we've been sanctified. Nothing about our history, nothing about what we've been through, nothing about where we are now makes any qualification because God is bigger than all that. But you know what's wonderful and I really enjoy is that God has a great sense of humor and I think he really likes to make Satan pay for the ways he tries to hurt us. So even though my destiny is absolutely intact in any way, God can certainly run some interpretation through it and allow me to use the very thing Satan meant to destroy me as part of the destiny that's irrevocable. I think it's cool. I get to go travel the country and speak on these issues on homosexuality all the time. I'm actually now an international speaker. I have an international booking. (laughs) It's Canada and it counts. I don't care. (laughs) International. (laughs) So there. But, and I get to go speak on homosexuality and stuff and sexual brokenness all the time and it's great and I love it because God... Can take my past and make it glorious, sanctified for his purposes, but it's not the only thing I do. If you hadn't noticed, I live here now. And I get to be a part of this team, and although I tend to bring this stuff up almost every time I'm up here, I don't care. I'm I'm still preaching the Word of God, and I don't have to because my past is not predetermined that I have to bring up my past every time. I don't. But you know what? It has no power over me. The the shame is broken. And so I can. (laughs) Because I've been sanctified. And so have the rest of you. Not a thing about your life diminishes God's calling or ability to set you apart for his purposes and plan. And we're justified And I'm gonna tell you the interpretation of that word that my youth pastor said to me when I confessed to him my struggle. He said, Drew, do you know what this means? And I said, no. He said, just if I'd never sinned. Do you understand that you are made right in the eyes of God? That he is not holding the record of your transgressions against you? Just like the father looked at his son and he said, my son was dead and now he's alive. He doesn't care what happened in between the time he left to the time he came back. He just cares he's back. Do you understand that is the heart of the Father for you? If you don't understand it, then you don't understand his heart. The son started as a slave. He started down that road as a slave, and he got up a son. I'm gonna read you a passage of Scripture that more fully fills out our identity in Christ. And maybe when now that we understand that we don't have the right to interpret our own life, that only God has the right to interpret it, maybe now we can start to listen to what his interpretation of who we are is and be able to receive it, amen? amen. Ephesians 1, praise be to the God of and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. That is part of who you are. He chose us in him before creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You are chosen, you are holy, you are blameless. Do you receive that, yeah? That's right, you do. I'll come down there. In love, he pretested us for adoption into sonship. None of us here, not a single one of us here is an orphan. You know what? I, you know It might be circumstantially that maybe some of us has actually been in that position. I was abandoned by my parents it, for a little season of each time. I don't blame them for it. It was circumstantial. But I interpreted it as being abandoned and an orphan. Some of us have actually been orphans, but who we have been is not who we are. Amen. Not a single person in here is an orphan. Amen. We've been adopted into sonship, into daughtership, whatever It's, that's who we are. We're a part of the family. And it was in accordance with his pleasure and will, which means he delights in doing that for us and it was his purpose and will all along. It's not out of obligation. It's not because he needs another worker for the field. It's not any of those reasons. It's because he loves us lavishly and wanted us with him. And this is to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of, his sin, of sins. We are redeemed and forgiven. Every one of you, redeemed and forgiven. Redeemed and forgiven. Not a thing you've done is with, beyond redemption. Yeah. Redemption meaning this. like you, you know what it is to use a coupon. You redeem it for value. It's not worth much. It's a paper, but what it carries in its authority matters. We've been redeemed, meaning God is the one who determines our value. We can't. We on our own, nothing. Him, we have great value. He has redeemed every bit of us for his purposes. And he's forgiven our sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. He lavishes us in his grace. Hallelujah. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to good, his good pleasure. He pours out his wisdom on us. All we need to do is ask. He reveals mysteries to us according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be and to be put in effect at the time at times when times reach their full fulfillment and to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. In him we are chosen. We have been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purposes and will meaning everything, everything, everything that has happened to us will happen to us. He has the power to bring into conformity to his good will. Oh my goodness. Some of you don't even understand what that means. It's a win-win. Hallelujah. Devil tries to rob me. (laughs) Oh, that was a foolish choice, devil. Devil. I have a God who works everything according to his good pleasure and will. Even my own mistakes. Praise the Lord. Are you getting the heart of this? Yeah. Are we interpreting ourselves a little bit more different, you know, differently than we have maybe in the past? Yeah. Uh, so that he does all this so that in order that we who are first to put our hopes in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. We are the praise of his glory. And you also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. Last thing. 2 Corinthians three sixteen through 18 But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is Freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is spirit. Yeah. Friends, if you have given your life to Christ, then not a thing about you can, can you, you don't have the authority to determine your identity because he is the only one who can. Here's the sad part of the downer if you haven't given your life to Christ, then truly you have no other hope but to try to interpret your identity through your history and through your life. Because unless you're connected with the author, unless you know the interpreter, where else do you go? I wanna just give that opportunity or at least extend the invitation to you. If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, You're missing out because he has the ability to translate our life in a way that we never in our wildest dreams could. So I implore you to consider that. But for those of us who have, let's stop resisting it. Let's stop trying to have the authority to interpret our own lives. Knock it off. Knock it off. We know that that doesn't end well for us. We know it is a cruel tyranny of judgment against us if we are the ones to judge our value or our worth or identity, because it will. We will never be. We will never be so whole. We will never be so healed in order to rest and find an anchor and a, and a foundation for our heart unless we surrender our identity to the only one who has the right to tell it. Let's do this, let's stand. We're gonna pray. Lord, we confess to you that we have taken authority to to translate our value and our identity and we don't wanna do it anymore. So we surrender that to you right now, amen? Amen. We surrender authority to you. Whatever wrong authority we've taken to try to translate our own life, we, we rebuke that and we submit it to you. And Lord, we ask that you will speak to us right now who we are. You know our hearts. You know the places the enemy has gotten in and established authority. Reveal them to us right now, Lord. And right now as he does that, just be quick to confess it. Just be quick to hand that over to him. And Lord, you, we know that you do not take from us just to leave us empty. So as we are handing these things to you, these wrong ways we have interpreted our value, our identity, Lord, right now, what we ask is you will speak the truth. Translate, Lord God, our identity to us. You tell us who we are. Lord, what you speak, we, we will receive. So now each heart just listen to what the Lord is saying to us about who we are, who you are. And thank him for it. Lord, we don't want to live under the prison or the tyranny of our own judgments. We surrender those to you right now. Amen. Amen. And we receive everything from you that you have for us. Make this exchange in our identity so that we only believe what is true from the only one who has the authority to tell us who we are. Lord, for every person who walked in here is a slave, believing that they are less. Lord God, speak to your sons and daughters. Put a robe on us. Put a ring on our finger. Kill the fattened calf, Lord. Let us understand the party that you throw when we begin to understand who we are. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. A few more words before I let you run from the building (laughs) as sons and daughters. Um there is no limit. There is no limit to our understanding in this. Don't feel like you have to walk out this room today and have it all figured out. Stay in a posture where you will receive whatever the Lord gives you and you will surrender whatever he brings to mind. Because you see, in in intimacy and identity and inheritance, it's not a one-time thing. It's not a thing that we figure it all out and now we're done. You know, if you are walking in an intimate relationship with someone and you have intimacy, but if you don't continue to cultivate it, you lose intimacy. If you know who you are and you believe who you are, but you start letting some stuff in that isn't who you are and you start acting like that, you lose your identity. Don't labor under the lie that this right now is it. Because God has revelation and identity and intimacy for you every day every moment, good. every day, and don't believe for a moment that if you fail and you defile yourself and you find yourself in, your, in the pig pen, that God will ever do anything except for run out to meet you and put a ring right back on your finger and put a robe right back on your back. God's love has no limit. It has no end. So when you walk out of here today, know how much your Father loves you know how much your Father loves you. You are His son or daughter, and that is all you'll ever be. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.